You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you. We've got some stuff to reflect on today here on the podcast. The Bills have conducted two practices since the last time we spoke, and I want to recap the major highlights and things we learned from those two practices, one on Friday and the other, of course, on Saturday morning, and fans were in the stadium for that, and we got a lot of great reports because the rules that apply to beat reporters do not apply to those in attendance, and that includes my good buddy Greg Tomstead of Cover One, who did a great job of providing us with video clips and reports on lineups and where guys are playing and all that type of stuff. So we have a lot of meaningful things to reflect on today here on the podcast. But where I want to start is the video that came out when Josh Allen entered the field for the first time. Did anyone else get chills? Because I absolutely did. I've said multiple times that one of the sad parts of last year was the team had all this success. Josh Allen explodes onto the scene, becomes an absolute superstar in the NFL. And Bill's Mafia wasn't there to see it. I absolutely hated that. But what I absolutely loved was watching that video and seeing Josh Allen take the field and hearing the MVP chants coming from the stands and thinking to myself, my goodness, it feels good to have a quarterback that is worthy of that type of a reception. That we as Bills fans have that type of dude as our quarterback. I love it. And I just had some chills when I watched that video, and I'm sure many of you did as well. Now, a couple of notes here before we dig into some of the things we learned. Stefan Diggs has taken the last two days off as rest days for him, and it sounds like they're being very careful with his load management, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's no reason for him to be overexposed. We know what he is. We know the chemistry that he has with Josh Allen. Now, Deion Dawkins and Ike Bakker remain on the COVID list, so they have not been practicing, as well as Jerry Hughes, who is still on the NFI list with a calf strain. Now, we did learn why Jacob Hollister wasn't on the practice field in the middle of last week, and that's because he has a back injury. Now, he's been on the sideline, he's been on the bike, but he's not practicing. And with that said, the Bills did add a tight end to the roster, and that is Bug Howard. Bug Howard is six foot four, 230 pounds. He's 28 years old, turns 29 in September, entered the NFL back in 2017 as an undrafted free agent after spending his college career at the University of North Carolina, where he was actually one of Mitch Trubisky's top receivers back in 2016. In that season, Bug Howard caught 53 passes for 827 yards with eight touchdowns. Now, since 2017, he spent time with the Colts, the Browns, the Panthers, the Jaguars, the Broncos, 
and the AAF. So he has bounced around quite a bit. Now, what is interesting about him is that he has not always been a tight end. When you watched him play at North Carolina, he was a wide receiver. In high school, he was a wide receiver. When he went to the AAF, he embraced a switch to tight end, and that was back in 2019. So he is new to tight end, but he is coming to tight end after playing wide receiver, and this is his latest opportunity to make an NFL roster. Now, he has never taken a snap in the NFL to this point, so he has a lot to prove. He's older, 29, is new to the position he's trying to make the team at. I mean, the dude has an uphill battle to really make this roster. It's helpful that he does have versatility. It's helpful that he has good size and athleticism. It's helpful that he has time on task with Mitchell Trubisky from their time together at North Carolina, but he definitely has a big climb ahead of him if he's going to make this roster, especially with some of the encouraging reports that have come out regarding Quentin Morris, the undrafted free agent tight end out of Bowling Green. I still think this is a Dawson Knox, Tommy Sweeney, Jacob Hollister, Reggie Gilliam room if they keep four. But Bug Howard has been brought in because evidently there's some level of concern that Jacob Hollister is going to miss some time. So let's hope it's not serious, and um, let's see what Bug Howard can offer this football team. Now, one thing that I'm sure everybody saw coming out of the practice on Saturday where fans were in the stands was the gorgeous touchdown catch by Dawson Knox. Now, first things first, that's a great throw. That's a heck of a throw by Josh Allen. Between three defenders, put it right over the top of the head of the closest defender to Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox goes up, catches the football, comes down with a touchdown. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful in terms of the throw and the catch. And outside of a drop on day one of camp where it felt like every beat reporter took an opportunity to make sure everybody knew that Dawson Knox dropped the football, that the reports on how Dawson Knox is looking have been very encouraging. And you guys know I am. I am rooting hard for Dawson Knox to be the guy at tight end this year. And so getting a chance to see that touchdown catch and all the dynamics of that play made me really, really excited. So the tight end position is um is something, right? With us hoping Dawson Knox breaks out, with hoping Jacob Hollister can be an X factor for the offense, seeing where Tommy Sweeney's at. Can Reggie Gilliam make the roster again? Is Nate Becker or Quentin Morris going to make noise? Bug Howard is now part of this room. I mean, this is an interesting group. We'll see how it settles out. But obviously, I'm all in on Dawson Knox being the guy this year at tight end. Let's look at the running back position because from the reports, it really sounds like Zach Moss is getting more and more run as the team's featured running back. And I use the phrase featured very loosely. We know that the Bills are going to play multiple running backs, and they've said repeatedly that they're going to ride the hot hand. You've heard that from Brian Dayball. You've heard that from Sean McDermott. We've seen that over the last two years. So I don't know that any one back is going to take the lion's share of the work, but I do think there is a chance that one of them can claim 60% of it. And after Devin Singletary was kind of the hot name as Zach Moss was 
working back from injury, and now he's got the green light, and it seems like he's taking on a bigger role, you're seeing that shift towards Zach Moss. And look, I think the important thing is for us to not ride the roller coaster of training camp, especially at this point where there's no pads on these guys. They have yet to have a full pad practice. It's easy to get caught up on riding the roller coaster, the ups and downs. One day a guy is hot and has a big day. The next day you don't hear anything about him. You know, we have to be careful about that, especially since these guys have not had a padded practice. But with Zach Moss being a young player coming back from injury, I want all the positive reports there can possibly be out of this running back room. Let's talk about the offensive line for a moment. Cody Ford is continuing to play right guard, and we got the affirmation of that on Saturday when fans were able to be in the stadium. And so Cody Ford is at right guard. John Feliciano is at left guard. Now, I remain interested in seeing if this is the plan, you know, for Ford to be the right guard, for Feliciano to be the left guard. Or is it because Deion Dawkins is out and they want Feliciano next to the less experienced tackle, right? Like, do they want to make sure that if it's Bobby Hart who is new to the team and new to the system or if it's Spencer Brown, a rookie, that the more experienced player in the system, John Feliciano, the more established player in the NFL, that's the guy they have lining up next to either Bobby Hart or Spencer Brown. We'll see if this is the plan, but you know, part of me thinks that could be part of it. The other thing that I wonder about is how does Ike Bakker factor into this guard conversation? Because if he were healthy, would he be the left guard? And John Feliciano would be the right guard, and Cody Ford is on the bench. You know, of those three players, they can't all start, and they won't. So I'm anxious to see how that sorts out once Ike Bakker is back in the mix. The last thing I want to say about the offensive line is based on the training camp videos that came out on Saturday and the reports that came from people in attendance on Saturday that can report, Bobby Hart has been the first-team left tackle. Not Spencer Brown. Maybe Spencer Brown is being sprinkled in, but it feels like Bobby Hart is getting those reps with Deion Dawkins out. And we heard all kinds of reports about how bad Bobby Hart looked and how A.J. Epinesa was abusing him. And, folks, I've watched a lot of Bobby Hart in the NFL. I talked about this when the Bills signed Bobby Hart. He's a he's a liability out there. He's a guy that can ruin an offensive line. He's so inconsistent. And he just does not have the requisite athleticism or technique to play left tackle. He cannot be Josh Allen's blindside protector. It cannot happen. I'm disappointed he's on the team, and I'm disappointed that he's getting any reps with the first team. If you have to play preseason games where Bobby Hart's the left tackle, I don't want to see 17 on the field. This guy is an absolute liability to this offense. It speaks to the value of Deion Dawkins, and it speaks to the need for Spencer Brown to get up to speed. And maybe that's what this is. We know that Sean McDermott does not want to hand anything to a rookie. We've never seen that be the case. He always wants to make sure that the young players are challenged and they earn everything. And maybe that's Bobby Hart's function right now. They want Spencer Brown to be the swing tackle. They want him to be the primary backup to Deion Dawkins. But they are leveraging Bobby Hart 
and his experience in the league to put him ahead of Spencer Brown at this point, right? We're four days into camp to make sure that his pencil is sharpened and he's ready to go earn it. But my goodness, am I going to be nervous if Bobby Hart is taking snaps for this football team with 17 on the field. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get into some of the latest developments at the wide receiver position. Now, first thing that I want to say is from those practice videos, I am swooning over the personnel groupings, seeing so much 10 personnel, seeing so much five wide. You guys hear me talk about this all the time. Wide receiver-centric offense. The best thing Josh Allen does is throw the football to wide receivers, get them all out there on the field, and let 17 go to work. So I love it. I absolutely love it. I love how the Bills can force the hand of defenses and say, I hope you have enough defensive backs to figure this out. I hope you have enough coverage spacing to figure this out. Might not matter. 17's too good. Got too much arm talent. Can make throws that it doesn't matter where your guys are. You can't stop them. I am absolutely here for it. Now let's talk about Isaiah McKenzie because sounds like he's really coming on here. Looking good at wide receiver and looking good in terms of fielding punts, at least in practice. Heard nothing but encouraging reports about the way he's fielding the football. And if he winds up locking down that job, it puts a lot of guys in jeopardy. You think about Brandon Powell. You think about Marquez Stevenson. If McKenzie can lock down that return job, the wide receiver picture becomes a lot clearer to me. Now, we also saw Marquez Stevenson out there getting some work as a punt returner, which is encouraging. I think he needs to show that. It's missing from his college film. He never got a chance to be the punt returner. Really good kick returner. Really dynamic receiving threat. But the punt returner resume is missing. And so he's obviously getting a chance as well. From all indications, it sounds like the job for return duties is between Isaiah McKenzie, Brandon Powell, and Marquez Stevenson. And I am really thinking this is going to be an Isaiah McKenzie thing. And I hope it is, and I hope he's the answer. He's going to have to make us forget about the inconsistency that he had at Georgia and at Denver and in the limited opportunities he's had in Buffalo to field punts. But he's going to have that opportunity, it sounds like, and hopefully those ball handling issues of the past go away. Now we got to talk about Jake Kumaro. Um, obviously Aaron Rodgers, his former quarterback in Green Bay, remains very disappointed that the Packers gave up on Jake Kumaro, said he was the second-best receiver in camp last year, obviously behind Devontae Adams. And evidently, Rodgers was pretty interested in working with Jake Kumaro. And sounds like on Saturday he put on a show, was getting first-team reps, and he offers a really interesting blend of skills, right? Size, speed, physicality, 
And oh, by the way, he's really good on special teams. That's kind of what you're looking for at the bottom of your depth chart at wide receiver. I want to share this quote from Dane Jackson about Jake Kumaro. This is what he said. He's like an all-around good receiver in every aspect. Blocking, catching, running after the catch. He just sneaks up on you, really. You don't really see it off the rip, but when he's out there running, it's like crazy. He can run, he can catch, and he can do it all. His size is deceiving. You don't think bigger guys are fast, but he's really fast. He gets on you quick when you're playing off, and when you're pressing, he can take that speed release, and he's gone. I mean, that is high praise. That is what you're looking for. Um, He might be tough to leave off this roster. And when you think about my early comments about the personnel groupings and going five wide and ten personnel heavy, you think about the utilization of wide receivers in this offense, you think about the skill sets that exist, the depth. This might be the year they, they need to keep seven receivers instead of six. You know, I've been pounding the table for that, and I'd love to see it. I mean, if you don't, and your top five are pretty well set in Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and you're only keeping six, you only have one spot for Kumaro and McKenzie and Marquez Stevenson and Isaiah Hodgins. I mean, those four guys are competing for one spot. At least you can keep half of them if you go to seven. So I'd really like for Brandon Bean and company to consider increasing their wide receiver room to seven. Let's shift gears to the defensive line. Continue to hear very positive reports about Gregory Rousseau, who continues to get first-team reps with Jerry Hughes out with the calf strain. And again, the pads still need to come on. We're going to learn a lot when they come on, but this is what you want to hear. You don't want to hear that he's blending in or he looks normal or you know he's struggling to find his way. And I know that it doesn't mean that much, again, because the pads aren't on. But positive comments about the way Gregory Rousseau is looking makes me happy. We continue to hear very good things about F.A. Obata. He continues to garner praise. Leslie Frazier mentioned his versatility. He said, this is a guy that they can move around and create mismatches. That doesn't sound like a player you plan on cutting. And so we talk about guys that can play on the edge and reduce inside. He is absolutely that type of player. I think he could be just as much a factor at five tech as he can a strong side end, as he could rushing interior gaps. He's coming off his best season in Carolina, obviously new to the game coming through the international pathway program. Crazy length and athleticism. I'm anxious to see F.A. Obata, and I think that he's not only going to make it difficult to not make the roster, I think he's going to claim some snaps on game day. Love the reports about A.J. Epinesa looking good. Obviously, he abused Bobby Hart, and you continue to hear positivity. Uh, Ed Oliver spoke about Epinesa and talked about his confidence and his maturity and how he is playing faster and just fitting in better this year. And so that pleases me a lot. And then I want to mention Justin Zimmer, who Leslie Frazier commented on recently and said, he's not a forgotten guy in my eyes. Eric Washington goes to bat for him. He epitomizes what you're looking for in a player, the way he works, how he approaches practice, every meeting. He's a lunch pal guy, and he's a tough out. 
So, I mean, that's what you want, right? I keep saying this, like we, the Jake Kumaro type stuff. This is what you want in the bottom of your defensive tackle rotation. A guy that does everything you ask, works his butt off, the coaches love him, he's reliable, and he's going to really force the issue when it comes to making this roster. And, I mean, what does what does Vernon Butler bring to the table that you don't get in Justin Zimmer? I get a bit nervous when I consider Vernon Butler's restructured contract and how that probably makes him a near lock to make this roster. But if you're only going to keep four defensive tackles, and two of them are obviously Ed Oliver and Star Lotulale, and then you have Vernon Butler, Harrison Phillips, and Justin Zimmer as the leading contenders to claim those last two spots, and you probably don't want to let go of Harrison Phillips, and it's down to Butler and Zimmer, I have a hard time outside of contract to make a case for Vernon Butler as the guy that should make the roster. Let's move on to linebackers, and I've been really interested in who the primary backups behind Milano and Edmonds are going to be. And from Saturday's practice, you know, talking with Greg Tomset, reading what Joe Biscalia had to say about the backup linebackers, it feels like the first two off the bench right now are Tyler Medikavich and Andre Smith. Now, that's interesting for so many reasons. First of all, I kind of thought A.J. Klein would be one of those two linebackers. I was hopeful that Tyrell Adams would be the other. I mean, this just was not the combination I was expecting. Now, part of me thinks Matikavich is getting that run because he's going to make the team as a special teams ace, and he's going to dress. And if you only keep, you know, four active linebackers, maybe five on Sundays, and one of them is Matikavich, you better make sure that he's ready to play if needed. So I totally get it from that perspective. But Andre Smith just continues to develop, and it seems like he's gaining more and more opportunity along the way. So maybe it's just a combination thing for now, but I was expecting that to be Tyrell Adams and A.J. Klein, and we got Tyler Medikavich and Andre Smith, so that is something to absolutely monitor. Let's take a quick moment and update the CB2 competition opposite of Tredavious White. It sounds like... Levi Wallace continues to get the majority of the first-team reps. And Leslie Frazier commented on Leslie Frazier in this competition. He said, quote, He's always been able to rise to the challenge, and I'd be surprised if this year was any different. So while it is definitely a competition between Jackson and Wallace, it absolutely feels like it is Wallace's job to lose. And he's been that primary starter And at this point, it sounds like he's going to continue to be that primary starter. And I know that Dane Jackson has a lot of fans out there, and there's a lot of support for him winning that job. Here's what I'll say to that. Please go back and listen to my Levi Wallace podcast from early June where I really broke down the player, and I think it'll give you more confidence in what Levi Wallace is for this team. And, you know, that doesn't mean that Dane Jackson can't have a meaningful role and that he can't eventually be the starter. But, you know, he was pretty raw last year, and for some of those big moments that he had, he he did have some lowlights that I think have been ignored and forgotten in this hope that he can develop into, 
you know, the absolute lockdown answer opposite of Tredavious White. So let's keep the right perspective here and um, understand that Levi Wallace has been the starter and this coaching staff loves him and he's actually been pretty effective. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many great flavors? There is something for everyone. They have coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, orange, salted caramel, and strawberry. And look, maybe you don't know where to start. You want to try Bilt Bars, but you're not sure which box to get. You can try a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors so you can try them all. And look, not only are Bilt Bars amazing in terms of their taste, they're healthy for you as well. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180. There's only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're amazing in terms of their flavors. They're all tasty and they're all healthy. And oh, by the way, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. You want to try Built Bars? Go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, to close out the podcast today, I want to look at one more position group and talk about some of the comments made by Leslie Frazier and Cody Ford. Um, This safety thing is interesting. We know that Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, those are your starters. You know, we're, we're thinking about this backup situation I, I pumped up Saran Neal a bit last week. We're interested in DeMar Hamlin as a late-round pick this year and what he can be for this defense. But obviously, Jaquan Johnson is the longest-tenured reserve. But it sounds like Josh Thomas is getting run over DeMar Hamlin at this point as the second-team safety along with Jaquan Johnson. And Josh Thomas had a really good career at Appalachian State, a team leader, versatile, played all over the secondary, and um, I've said a few times this offseason that this is a player that we need to be mindful of, and for now, it looks like he is ahead of DeMar Hamlin on the depth chart. Now, we know as a draft pick that DeMar Hamlin has a built-in advantage, but he's going to have to earn it, and it sounds like Josh Thomas is giving him a run for his money. Now, I also pumped up Saran Neal a bit last week as potentially – the backup safety we haven't been considering. I think I need to pump the brakes on that because Leslie Frazier came out and said some things that made me rethink that. This is what he said about Saran Neal. He said, he's come a long way for us, has been great on special teams, but is more than capable of contributing on defense in a bigger way. We want to carve out a role for him, but the way Teron Johnson has played, it's hard for him to get reps. We're excited about his potential and we'll see how it goes. We think we found a home for him as a slot corner hybrid. Then he continued to mention that he is so valuable on special teams that his role on defense gets limited. If there's an injury, we feel good about him and that we can plug him in. So look, nothing's changed on Saran Neal. He's a backup at corner, he's a backup at slot, and he's a special teams guy. The safety thing was a misread by me. And Saran Neal is probably going to continue in the role that we've seen over the last couple of seasons. And Leslie Frazier mentioned that in 2019 when he had to play and Teron Johnson went down, that the team went undefeated with Saran Neal as their primary slot corner. But outside of that stretch, I mean, they really haven't gotten him involved on the defense. So I don't think we should be considering Saran Neal 
as a depth piece at safety. The last thing I want to mention today are some of the comments made by Cody Ford that I thought were enlightening, and it was good to hear from him. It was good to kind of see where he's at, and it was very interesting. So I don't want to mention everything that he said, but two main takeaways that I had from listening to his press conference. He was asked about moving around, and as we know, he started off as a right tackle, kicked over to right guard, played left guard, seems like he's back to right guard. He said, I'm not a selfish guy. They drafted me as a right tackle, but it's better for the team that I play guard, and I'm willing to do it. So it's interesting there that he reiterated that the initial plan was for him to be a right tackle, but obviously Daryl Williams and his emergence at right tackle allowed for Cody Ford to play a different position and the Bills to ultimately get their best five on the field. Then Cody Ford was very candid and honest about where he's at, right? Coming back from injury, what his career has looked like to this point, where he's at mentally. And I thought he was very open and honest, and I want to mention these comments. He started off by saying that you have definitely not seen the best of me. He said he's come back with a new mentality and mindset, and that his recovery gave him time to think and rediscover himself and figure out his why. Initially, he felt pressure by being in the NFL and meeting expectations, but this offseason he dug deep and went back home and remembered his why. He found a mental coach. He found that to be very helpful because he was able to talk to someone who is unbiased and not a friend, a teammate, or a coach, and that that relationship helps him reset and have a clear mind so that he can just get out on the field and play ball. He said he's happy to be out there doing what he loves. He's dancing around. He said he never smiled so much at practice and that he went back to his high school and college number because it's a new me. Look, I am rooting for Cody Ford. I have said multiple times that we don't really know what this guy is in the NFL. Yes, he started 16 games as a rookie, but he played hurt last year, only seven games at a new position. Big transition coming from the Big 12 to the NFL. And I'm anxious to see what he can do this year. Obviously, he has a chip on his shoulder, and he has a lot to prove. But I think he's in the right headspace. Physically, he's always been good enough. And I'm excited for him to take that step this year. Now, we'll see if he is a starter and if he can keep Ike Bakker from entering the lineup. But this sounds like a man on a mission, and I was very encouraged by how honest he was about things, and you know, it just sounds like he's in a good space to go out and be the best version of himself. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. We're all caught up on what's been going on at Buffalo Bills training camp, so we'll see what tomorrow brings. Maybe we will reflect on the practice if there is enough new information for us to dig into. If not, I have plenty of topics that I want to discuss regarding the Buffalo Bills. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.